0: You are listening to The Fly the W 670 Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. Jed and Carter on the 2023, the offseason, and the path moving forward. Don't forget to listen, download, subscribe to The Fly the W Podcast. Of course, we'd ask you to leave a five-star review. Baseball prospectus, Crowley, has just released their top 101 prospects. And let's just say the future looks bright for Cub fans. In this segment, you are talking to Jeffrey Nostro, lead prospect writer of Baseball Prospectus, to talk about the young and up and coming Cubs. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we're pleased to have on Jeffrey Pastinostro, lead writer for Baseball Prospectus. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight?
1: Good. We're getting to the end of the, the prospect season. I guess it is. Our last list goes up a week from Monday. We just published the 101. So close to the finish line.
0: Yeah, and and we appreciate all the work you do, kind of keeping us informed. But I gotta ask you, why one hundred one instead of a hundred? Is there is there a reason? Uh,
1: there there is one. I don't know it. Uh, that goes back to Kevin Goldstein, who was lead prospect writer, four prospect writers before me. I think that's right, four or five. Uh, I assume it is. It just you know, it's one more than one hundred, right? It's like a marketing thing, uh, more <laughs> or less. So we had hey, uh, we had one extra name to the end. It works. It works, you know,
0: but, uh, you know, I always tell Cub fans, Hey, the future looks bright. You know, it was weird. We got in that weird, you know, 2021 and you're selling off world series heroes and you're just kind of mm. looking at Jed Hoyer, you know, is this, what are you doing here? And at the time, you know, there's a lot of frustration, but now you're kind of seeing a little bit of you know, the fruits of all that labor, whether it be trades, whether it be good drafting, whether it be good development. On the last list, the Cubs had the most prospects on your top one-on-one list with mm-hmm. nine prospects. That is an unbelievable amount of prospects, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's one of the higher... I think we had probably had maybe nine Padres at one point or nine Rays something when they were... The system with their peak in the in the late 2010s. But yeah, this is a very, very strong system. And it's not just, you know, sometimes like the Cardinals have six names and sometimes they'll be and they have there was nobody else really in consideration. But the Cubs have nine and I mean I've nine they they had eight and then they had nine because they traded for Michael Bush. But even the names uh beyond that initial group, you know, Jefferson Rojas, Jackson Ferris had some uh some uh support within our staff and we're discussed in the in the list process so it does go even deeper than that
0: right and so i'm just going to kind of go backwards from the highest and get us to the Mm -hmm. top rated cubs here we start out at number 91 um with 91 right uh jordan or i'm sorry 94 Mm -hmm. jordan wicks at 94 and we had a chance to see a little bit of jordan wicks in the majors uh, i want to say seven starts. And you know, it looked like he was able to hold his own. And you got to figure he's going to be up probably one one of the first guys to get called up if if there's a need, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he could you know, injuries happen in spring training. You know, he could be. It is not impossible. He's in the opening day rotation. He's a difficult type of prospect to rate. I should say that sort of major league ready. You know, he's not going to be a top of the rotation starter with that stuff, but he's going to be a major league starter, probably a good one. He's ready. You know, former first round pick, so he's not kind of out of nowhere or unheralded or anything like that. But just been very steady throughout his minor league career. You know, you look college arm, college lefty, good changeup. Never really had any issues at any level in the minors because your college lefty with a good changeup, you're any guy swinging through that but also never really dominated a level to the point where you're like, okay, this is a potential top of the rotation rotation starter. One of the best pitching prospects in baseball. And he's been around this range on Cubs lists over the last few years, like since he's been drafted, you know, a little bit higher, a little bit lower as the, the strengths of the system have, have ebbed and flowed, but just a really, a really good major league ready arm that I think can start. And you, you'll see a lot of these, uh, Names in that area, even the top fifty, are guys that don't have a ton of minor league track record, either from injuries or just their your younger pitchers that have been brought around, brought around slowly. Um, but Wicks, I think, is ready to you know take the ball every fifth day at some point in the season and be a pretty above average major league starter when he does it.
0: I can't complain with that. Now a guy that you know comes a little different right out of high school, James Triantos, mm. and he's was at number ninety-one, and I remember I interviewed him when he started out in Myrtle beach in, in low a, and I'm just thinking to myself, my God, this, you know, just so young, <laughs> he's 18 years old. Yeah. And then, you know, I really feel like, you know, a lot of people really started paying attention to him after this recent Arizona fall league.
1: Yeah. We liked him out of the draft. He was a name that actually got uh, highlighted for us as, you know, a guy to keep an eye on, right. Uh, you know, a second round pick or maybe supplemental first, but not a particularly high draft pick, but a guy that can just really hit. And you mentioned, you know, Myrtle beach, it's a very difficult place to hit, and I think because of that, his 2022 like stat line wasn't as uh, impressive as you might have hoped. But again, again, high school bat, you know, coming going right into full season ball, held his own, really hit better this year. Uh, Nathan Graham, who sees a lot of our a lot of our midwest league coverage saw him and really liked the bat and yes arizona fall league you got more you got more scouts and prospect writers per capita in one spot than you'll get uh, any other time during <laughs> the year so if you showcase there, uh guys are going to take notice but i think the breakout for him really started uh earlier in the season and he's another one too where it's tough there's not a ton of power he did start to hit the ball a little bit harder this year so again early 20s you can see power growth is not uncommon in those ages. So maybe there's a little bit more there, but I don't know if he's going to be really be a slugger, not really going to be a shortstop, but again, a very nice everyday player.
0: Right. I guess for Cub fans, everyone's just kind of trying to figure out where the glove would play. You know what I mean? I know yep. they tried him out a little bit in center field Yep. In the AFL and stuff like that. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens
1: now. Yeah, I think I mean, His best position, I think is second base. Obviously that's going to be occupied for a bit, but he is enough of a, of an athlete that I think you could definitely play him in the outfield, he can play some third base too. So, and maybe a guy that just moves around as needed.
0: All right. Uh, Moises Ballesteros, first time mm. on your list at 84. I saw Moises at Myrtle Beach this year. I went and and I saw him and Michael Arias, and that was a fun combination, mm. combination to watch. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, he's another young guy that to me though, just showed like a lot of maturity beyond his years. Just really kind of seemed to be the, the field general, if, if you will, mm. down there.
1: Yeah, I said it is hard to hit at Myrtle Beach. It was not that hard to hit at Myrtle Beach for Ballesteros this year. Yeah, uh, he's another one. He came onto our radar pretty quickly. Um, you just don't find this kind of bat or this potential bat in a catcher. Uh, he, when we were going through the list process and comparing him to uh, Samuel Basayo, who's a top 15 prospect uh, in the Orioles system right now, kind of similar trajectory. Ballesteros is a little bit older, but the same kind of like, like wow, this is this is it. Everything's here offensively. Uh, he's very precocious for his age. It's it's good contact rates. It's, the approach is good. The swing decisions are good. There's already present power there, and maybe some more to come. And then the question with this kind of prospect is, you know, can he stick at catcher? And he's pretty good for his age. Uh, you know, big guy, but again, somebody that that Nathan saw this year uh, a fair bit in. In the high in the high a and you know gave him a chance right it wasn't like okay he's going to be a first baseman there's decent amount of flexibility back there he moves well he throws well he receives well like you've got building blocks there a lot of these catcher defensive skills are very teachable too like you can see i mean you, you have the brewers come to town a lot and the brewers are able to really develop these defensive catcher skills and the other hidden thing and we don't consider this for our list and we've talked about it the last couple of years and it does make sort of long-term catcher evaluation and that applies to Ballesteros, who's probably still a year or two away. It's like, what's it gonna look like if there's automated ball strikes in the majors? And the basically the way we evaluate catcher defensive profiles has to completely change. Uh, and you know, teams are gonna have to figure that out too. Like how, and look, if Ballesteros' receiving doesn't quite get there, but he doesn't have to worry about that. He's a good catch and throw guy. The bat's good. Like they that really does change the, the defensive outlook. But that's like a global thing that you really just can't consider when evolving. you have to kind of assume that it's going to be what it is. And it's going to be a process for him, but he's got a sh- shot to stick at catcher and be like a middle of the lineup bat doing it.
0: Right. Now, I just came from Cubs convention last weekend and all the prospects were up there. And there's one guy and I've seen him around. I've seen him at Cubs convention. I've seen him play. Kevin Alcantara is just a guy <laughs> that just, I don't he know. what just he stands out and then you got him at number 80. I mean, it's like some guys you're like, Hey, is that a ball player? Is that a... you? you know, if Kevin Alcantar, that that's a physical freak right there, especially yeah. right there.
1: And, you know, really since the Rizzo trade, like you know, we had looks on him going back to his time in the, in the Yankees complex and the the tools have always been there. It's just a guy with limbs that long. There's so many levers in the swing. You do wonder like, What's the swing and miss going to be like? And we'll talk about that with Owen Casey a little bit too. But just the the power potential there is frightening. And he is a guy where he improved over the course of the season. So his numbers are a little, you know, he was better than his numbers. Like a better prospect than perhaps his numbers show because of that improvement at, at high A over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Brendan King, the one of the uh, play-by-play mm-hmm. announcers for the uh, South Bend Cubs and he was telling me, "Look, that first month and and, and I've, I have I've been to South Bend. Yeah. That, it's in nice. April. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's that's a real tough adjustment to make." Yeah, it is. And and, and then what, what BK told me is the second April's done, all of a sudden he's hitting 500-foot bombs. that, that yeah. that's just what he does and it's it's Really fun to watch now, probably mm-hmm. the Cubs prospect that we're all at least familiar with, at least in, in Cubs world right now is Michael Bush, you know, yeah. just got him the other day in the Jackson Ferris deal. Tell us a little bit about Michael Bush and, you know, obviously he blocked a lot as, as far as in Dodger land, but what, what does he like as far as a player is concerned?
1: So he is a very good hitter. Uh, again, you look at his stats, stats have always been good. And he's like the, the Dodgers brought him along very slowly because the Dodgers do tend to do that with their hitters. And also because, you know, they just didn't really have a place for him on the major league roster over the last couple of years, where in most organizations, he would have been the everyday second baseman, or the everyday third baseman, or the everyday left fielder. Like you would, would have just found a spot for the bat. Uh, his approach is excellent. He hits the ball pretty hard. Uh, you know, he's like a 20, 25 home run guy, probably maybe even a little bit more. Uh, the question with him is going to be, and we haven't seen any it, very little time at the majors. We got a couple cup of coffee with the Dodgers didn't play great. And again, you know, it's wasn't necessarily getting regular playing time or having a having a clearly defined role on that team because the Dodgers just didn't really have room for him last year. Is that can he handle major league velocity? And that's kind of been the question there. Like 95 plus, you know, does he have the bat speed for it? And you just it's one of those things where you don't know until he's playing there day in and day out. But he's very good at picking what pitches to swing at. And he's very good at doing damage when he does. So maybe the batting average won't be super high, but he'll get on base. He can hit for power. Um, You know, I guess, the, I, I guess the Cubs are talking about playing him at first base, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, fine. I, it, you'd rather he can play, you know, second, third or left, but really you're just trying to get the bat in the lineup and hoping he can be a middle of the order, hit, order hitter for you. Well,
0: right now the Cubs are looking for a first baseman and a third yeah. baseman, So hopefully, you know, one of those works and then Owen Casey is at 65 and, and, you know, I, I, said, you know, boy, the, the last kind of the U Darvish trade and, and seeing what he did with great, with England, Great Britain in the world baseball, or, or I'm sorry, with Canada in the world yeah. baseball clinic, uh, world baseball classic, it just really felt like, you know, the spotlight's never too big for him. He just has a confidence in him that like, is, is yeah. fun to watch.
1: So I've liked him a lot, even since the draft. And he was the guy that did get flagged me, you know, Canadian prep. So a little, maybe a little more raw in baseball terms. But you just like watch his batting practice and you watch the ball jump off his bat and whatever. He's had strikeout issues uh in the minors pretty much every year. And I say strikeout issues. Like he stri- he's gonna strike out, you know, probably 25, 30% of the time in the in the majors when he gets there. But he just does so much damage when he makes contact. And that's one of those things where that will cover for a lot of other flaws if you hit the ball as hard as he does. Like he still has to hit it a little more often, but He's a good right fielder, good athlete, good arm, and he is. You know, we talk a lot about middle of the order hitters. So right, this is a cleanup hitter. This is the guy that can hit thirty plus home runs for you. And look, the the swing and miss can can eat into that. Uh, we still need to see him in the upper minors in a little more extended period, and he's got to he's got to go step by step. But this is a guy for me. Like outside of the, I mean, we ranked him the highest outside of the top two bats. But this is a guy that sometimes it's like okay, you know, we talked about Jordan Wicks and, and James Triantos who are, who are pretty safe major leaguers. Michael Bush is that too. This is the guy where you're dreaming on the upside and the the high-end outcomes here are, you know, perennial all-star.
0: Wow. that's exciting to hear. And that, you know, like you said, we're getting in the 60s to the 90s is what we were just mm-hmm. talking about in this tier, but then you kind of jump up and yep. this is where it really gets interesting for me because everybody has been super excited about Cade Horton and what he's been able to do since coming through the Cubs. I mean, just flying through the system and being part of the Tennessee Smoky championship, he got him at mm-hmm. 27. And I mean, he just, he looks like a high-end starter. I mean, he just looks like the real yeah. deal
1: right now. Yeah, absolutely. And when the Cubs drafted him last year, I was like, that was a pick that raised a couple of eyebrows, right? Not a guy that had a ton of college success had, had dominated at the at the end of the season and in the college world series with a new slider but you're kind of like okay is, is that a starter like that's pretty early for for kate horton and that was the feeling uh, you know i got from some amateur scouts i talked to it's like yeah i liked them but i would have you know i liked them in the 20s where you kind of step pitcher taken and then this year was just from from almost day one really i was getting reports that like oh this is this is for real and the other thing too is there were very few, and this is this is something that again happens in cycles. There were very few starting pitching prospects this year that were that were this good, as good as Horton was, and threw as much as Horton did. He didn't throw a ton, but he was healthy the entire season, and he was sort of stretched out as you would stretch out a you know a, a top level pitching prospect. There just aren't that many, uh, you know, up until Paul Skeens was drafted. You know, Andrew Painter in the Phillies organization was the we had him as the best pitching prospect. He didn't pitch all year from Tommy John surgery. Uh, you can look right. in the you know a few of the names ahead of him. Ricky Tiedemann had uh, arm issues this year as well. So it's just unusual to find a at least at this time around find a pitching prospect that combines his stuff, his level of performance, and his. I I hesitate to use the word durability because he threw like hundred innings, but that was this level of health. I guess uh, you know it's a guy again that could certainly be a a 2024 like impact arm in that rotation at some point
0: now you know a lot of people have been talking about Horton as the number two prospect a couple people put him as the number one Cubs prospect but you guys had Matt Shaw ahead of him at 21 another guy that just you know absolutely tore it up this year in the minors again came came up as a part of that group that helped Tennessee Smokies win it all you know and, yeah. and just a fun young bat, and 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 the question, I guess, for a lot of Cubs fans is, can he play third? Will the glove play at third? That's the big question. And if you can get Nick magical to play a decent third base, hopefully you can do the same on Matt Shaw. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I, I I will say at the outset, like I I don't have a problem with with the somebody's telling me Kate Horton's the best prospect in the system. Right. I think these three are all pretty close, and they're all a tier above the other names we've talked about so far. And Shaw and Horton actually have a lot in common because I, I liked the Shaw pick. We liked Shaw going into the draft, but it's the only guy where they got a prospect, I think, a little bit better than you expected at at, at that pick, right? And at, with that name, right? Because like Matt Shaw was a was a good college hitter. We had him like a tier behind uh, Tommy Troy and Chase Davis of the tier behind uh, Wyatt Langford and Dylan Cruz. But uh, I caught him. I did catch a game of his actually in the uh, in the complex when I was down in Arizona. I think it might've actually been his pro debut. And it's one of those things. This is very, this is very qualitative. Obviously I have the, you know, talked to the amateur scouts and we have, and we, again, uh, I, I believe Dathan saw him briefly as well uh, in the Midwest League. But I have all like the data, the reports to back this up, but it was also like one at bat end. I'm like, that's a major leaguer. And that's like very qualitative and like more art than science but you could just see it with the bat i think he was DHing. i don't even think he was playing the field at the time but it was just like oh this is this is not just like a first round pick this is a this is a top of the first round pick and it was, it was kind of that obvious i think he'll be fine at third base uh when i worked him up on video i didn't mind him at shortstop um i obviously i don't think he was going to be a major league shortstop but he could play there for you in a pinch so i think everything will translate fine to third I don't think that'll really be an issue there. It will put a little bit more pressure on the bat. Uh, And again, he's another guy we need to see. There were some, we we had him a little higher on earlier drafts of the one-on-one to just the Hmm. little insight in how the sausage is made. And we got a little bit of pushback just from sort of shopping that ranking around where it's like, there's some concern about the the swing decisions, basically the approach at this point against better pitching. And again, you don't know until you see it. And he had a very small uh, post-draft pro sample so that we cooled our jets a little bit there, but this is another guy where I think there is uh, star potential uh, overall in the profile. Well, speaking of star
0: potential, you know, when you can go by three initials and everybody knows <laughs> yeah. who you are, I think that really kind of helps the situation. The highest ranked cub at number twenty. Mm-hmm. Pete Crow Armstrong, um, like I said, as I was at Cubs convention this last weekend. He had the frohawk going on, yeah, so he yeah, had the really. the curls and the. Sh- I mm-hmm. mean, it was it was a whole thing.
1: Baseball you know, players have minorities uh, <laughs> have a lot of time on their hands to to do things like that. I find,
0: you know, he he kind of joked about it. I saw him one time. He had his head shaved, you know, d- dyed mm-hmm. blue. I mean, it, he's 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 just an electric kind of player. Yeah. And it's so funny when he got called up and then they were playing in Colorado in that mm-hmm. giant outfield. Yeah. I swear to God, it was like it was like the flash. It was like a lightning bolt going out of there. That sometimes I think the the corner outfields got spooked that they just couldn't believe he was there that quick right there on the play, backing it up. And I also kind of laugh a little bit is that there were some people frustrated. Oh, look at the offense! Mm-hmm. He had 19 at bats at yeah. the major league level, and most of them were against like set guys and closers. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's uh, you can have concerns about how much he is going to hit, but. He is going to be such a great center field defender. I, I think that's something that can be can be difficult to really suss out when you're making a prospect list, right? Like I can talk about like Matt Shaw is probably going to be fine at third base, like James Giantos is probably going to be I mean, all these guys are kind of in the like average, slightly above, slightly below bucket. And really rating uh and like comparing, I guess, an elite defensive tool to offensive tools and more offensive uh, oriented players to be difficult just because we just know so much more about what, a, you know, what a 300 hitter is and what that value is, what that often, and sort of how we, the underlying offensive tools we can look at and not just hitting power, but even drilling down further into things like very granular contact rates and launch angle and exit velocities and things like that. We just have like, it not that, to be clear, not that Pico Armstrong is a difficult scout defensively, he's going to probably win some gold gloves in the majors, but just how do you want to value that against, against Matt Shaw, who might hit, you know, 290 with 25 home runs every year. Well, you know, PCA might hit more 250 with 15 to 20 because he hits the ball pretty hard, but there are some, uh, contact issues because he's a very aggressive free swinger. And again, that's something that he's going to have to, I think, tamp down a little bit in the majors given more reps, but, Again, he really just needs to hit enough to keep the glove in the lineup, which is usually it's the other way around, right? You just got to find him a position because you want to get the bat in the lineup. But his defense is so good that I think he's going to be an everyday player, even if he's, you know, 10% better than or worse than league average hitter. And I think he can get to at least that. And I think there is some, some sneaky upside in the power, too, because he does hit the ball pretty hard for what's not a particularly, you know, big framed guy. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: I got I, I listened to Craig Council speak and I asked him about bunting because that was something that kind of frustrated Cub fans with David Ross, the previous manager. And and it is weird because he did bring up PCA. You know, he said, you know, it's, you know, he didn't like asking people that probably weren't good bunters, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do it. But with PCA, he's like, I think that could be part of his game. And that kind of surprised me a little bit. But yep. again, if you've seen the speed, you know, he's that, a, that could he's a be a good runner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeffrey, I really appreciate you taking some time out. And, and, you know, when you look at this Cubs system, you know, we, we got these players, these nine players that are on here and they're exciting, but I think the thing to me, that's different than the last time the Cubs really kind of went on a run is one the depth in the system. Cause like you said, there's guys that aren't on this list, but you know, when some of these other guys graduate like Jordan Wicks, et cetera, PCA, there's going to be other guys that are going to get added to this list. And the other thing that really sticks out to me is, is the, is the way that you, you know, before in 2014, 13, 14, 15, I could name you 10 to 20 Cubs hitters. I was excited about, I couldn't name you five pitchers to save the life of me that yeah. I was really excited about. And I yeah. think the Cubs have done a good job at developing that.
1: Yeah. That's been a, that's one of, I think one of the bigger uh, changes, the organization recently look, they're not the guardians they are not the Rays they are not the Yankees, but they have done a pretty good job bringing a lot, uh, along a lot of, uh, lot of interesting arms in in the last few seasons and like you know some of them have even like turned into relievers and that's fine too like the ability to internally fill your own relief depth and not have to go out and you know on the free agent market and pay and pay free agent rates or even just the you know the variation you'll get sometimes year to year with uh with relievers um it's 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 a positive marker i think long-term and like, yeah, they are, you know, they were just missed out on a, a playoff spot last year. We had them as the, I had to do org rankings for the annual and we had them third, uh, before the Michael Bush trade. I think they're actually second, they're the Dodgers second. So and it was that close when <laughs> I was thinking about it. So that'll flip when we, when we publish them on site. And again, this is not just a, you know, they have the, the major league ready guys, right? So you have, you have Pico Armstrong and you have Jordan Wicks. You have the guys, in the lower minors that are exciting to keep an eye on I mean, matt shaw kind of counts in that i know he, he got to double a but he's a he's a recent draftee so you have guys that like are maybe a year away two years away you have guys that are further away too um you know someone like someone like michael arias who you mentioned so it, it's a pipeline and it's guys that have it's it's what i call like it's a very well-balanced system right it's guys that have upside it's guys that have major league floor it's pitchers it's hitters it's it's not just going to come in one you know two or three year window and then you have to kind of kind of figure out what you have from there and where you need to fill in holes you can just have the the sustainable pipeline of prospects and look they'll go out and spend money I do think they will maybe not as much as Cubs fans would like but they will I think they will go out in free agency and and fill the holes and I think they're pretty well positioned to make a little bit of a a little bit of run back to contention and even the NL Central this year that's always a winnable division
0: well, Jeffrey, you've given me a lot to think about and, and a lot to get excited about. Why don't you tell our listeners where
1: they can find your work and where you lo- where you are on the socials? Sure, uh, it's baseballprospectus.com. We're just wrapping up our prospect list, but you can check out all uh, all thirty teams, the one hundred and one. Uh, we have we have scouting reports for you know twenty one players uh, in each organization. Uh, some not as exciting as the Cubs, to be honest, but they're they're all there. Uh, we also uh, are we starting season previews soon? Uh, week. So all our, all our projections I think are going to roll out the the first week in, in February as well. Uh, I go on a, a, a well-earned sabbatical uh, for a few weeks after that, (laughs) at least until the, uh, the prospect showcases start up, uh, in March in Arizona, but in the interim you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostra.
0: Well, Jeff, I appreciate it. And trust me, anytime you have such good news, you're welcome on (laughs) the show. Even if you Uh, don't, we'd love to have you on. It'll be, it'll
1: be good for a while. I think so.
0: All right, then we'd be looking forward to seeing you again. Jeffrey, thank you so much for jumping on.
1: Thank you.